All right, welcome back. Episode 12. Already. Crazy. I keep saying that already. Well, I think when we hit 10, it felt like, oh, wow, that was quick. I was like, it's real. Like, what's going on? All right, I'm going to jump right into it because I've got, I've got some thoughts in my head that I want to process, and I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective. Last week, I talked about I was being a brat, right, um, with God. I had a moment with, with Jesus in the car complaining. Well, fast forward. I love the Bible Project um, reading plan, and I'm now in Job. So honestly, when I got to Job, I was like, I don't want to read this again because I just read it like a couple of months ago when I was kind of going through the thick of my divorce. And I watched the video to set up, you know, context. Mm -hmm. And there's something that I learned that I haven't, I haven't had this perspective about Job, which was for us mentally, and this is how they explain it in the Bible project. He didn't like, there wasn't a specific reason for Job to go through what he went through. And at the end, well, and let me, let me break this down. At the end of his journey of him having everything removed, he went through, you know, that whole entire season of having his friends kind of give him bad advice to God showing him like who he was in, in him, right? Or in the season. So I thought about this. Last week I had a moment and as I was on my way in, I was thinking about what I was reading in Job and I was listening to um, a Maverick City song. And in the song, it's, there's, a, there's a moment where Brandon Lake is singing, I'm open and my heart is all you wanted. And then Make Room came on right after that. Mm. Here's where I kind of, this is what today's topic is about. I'm coming to learn that when I go through really difficult seasons and I have honest moments with God, where I'm being like so honest with him, like, I hate this. I don't think you're doing the right thing. I think you're not for me. All these crazy thoughts. I'm realizing that those moments are me making room for God in my heart, in my life, and in my mind. And there's, there, there can be a, a very fine line of, you know, being honest with him and then also like cursing him. And I, and I, he can, he can take it all. Um, but I want to know if other people go through that too. Like if, am I the only one that is like that where I've come to this realization that, well, the reason I'm doing this is, and this is one of the things that I'm, lear I'm learning. The reason I do all this is so that I can have a space to actually worship God and give him glory and take on his joy. Because when I get to that place of, complete despair and I'm yelling at God and I'm complaining and I'm being a brat with him. It's letting that emotional state out so that I can remove that out of me and have, and have a place for him rightfully where he should be in my life and in my heart. And so um, I'd love to talk about that. Oh, real quick, let me, let me actually add this real quick because this is really cool. How this all started, yesterday I was feeling really, really down, really depressed. Um, in the morning, got the kids ready for school. We're on our way and, you know, it's raining, it's pouring. There's not a piece of sun in sight. My daughter's in the back as I'm driving them to school. And I hear her yell, oh my gosh, I see a tiny hole to heaven in the sky. 
And it didn't hit me right there and then. And I was like, that's cool. So we're driving, get him to school, drop them off, say goodbye. And then I'm literally like two minutes away from the school on my way to the gym and started worshiping and I'm singing um, one of the latest Cody Carnes songs that he has in his most recent album. And uh, I look up at the sky and I start to see blue and the, the kind of the clouds are breaking up and I'm seeing this. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I just started praying, let this visual that I'm seeing God be a refreshment of what you're going to do. Let this, let this show me um, that you are with me. And I just kind of heard it very clear that a, a new season's coming mm-hmm. and the rain that was falling is kind of replenishing the land. And I thought about my life and the season that I'm in and kind of the road that I've been on and what seems like all this constant rain and flooding in my life of emotions, of disappointment. It's God working these things out in me or out of me so that he can prepare me for what's ahead. And so seeing that glimmer of hope in the sky um, is kind of what led me into this conversation today. As you were saying that, I was thinking about something I read about Brother Lawrence who wrote the Practicing the Presence or Practice the Presence of God. And um, I read that he was a Carmelite monk. And I'm sorry, but... What is that? I don't know, dude. Oh, okay. I just, but I hear Carmelite, and it makes me want Carmelite. <laughs> but he was, a, he was a monk, and, I, and I've read practice, yeah, <laughs> Presence of God. I've read that, but the way that he was drawn to God was um, there's something he saw, or that's what I read. And what I read was um, that he was sitting out on a midwinter's day at the age of 18, and he saw a dry, leafless tree standing gaunt against the snow, It stirred deep thoughts within him of the change the coming spring would bring. At that moment, he decided to be a person in whom the spring would come, letting the life of Christ take root and blossom in his whole being. Mm. And when you mentioned seeing the sky, it, it just, it reminded me of that, of having read that passage. And how God will how I believe that God is always speaking, even through nature, mm-hmm. even through his creation around us. Yeah. Um, but we don't see it. In that passage, it's talking about this moment where he saw, saw this tree, he saw something in nature mm-hmm. that resonated and spoke with him in such a powerful way that it changed the course of his life. So right now, when you were talking about seeing you know, Riley seeing a hole in the sky and then you seeing the blue in the middle of this depressing cloud covered, rainy, dark day, which really from what you've said kind of described your emotional state. Yeah. It reflected how you were feeling emotionally and psychologically, maybe even spiritually at that moment. Yes. And for you to see like a glimmer of, of clear sky of blue in that, um, I would absolutely think that that's one of the ways that God speaks. Yeah. And you see that. And if we're listening, I think, you know, we hear it's like, okay, Lord, there is hope. Yeah. There is hope in you. If I, if I'll lift my eyes, mm. what's that Psalm? I lift my eyes up to where my help comes from. Yes. Um, but sometimes the situation, the cloud cover, the season is so oppressive and so heavy, emotionally, spiritually, even physically, um, that our heads are bowed looking at the ground. And we don't have the desire or the will to lift our heads and look up. Bro, yes. And we just feel crushed. Mm-hmm. We feel too weak, mm-hmm. too hopeless. To look up and 
I think often God is right there. Like, if you'll just look up, you'll see. You'll see me. You'll see hope in me. You'll see me, you know, you'll see my face shining upon you. You'll see hope in me if you'll just look up. Just stop looking down. Yeah. Um, so when you mention that, even in creation, mm-hmm. I think sometimes, especially through creation, if we take a moment just to look, um, like I said before, like I, I, I stopped praying for God to speak and I've been praying, God, help me to hear. That's been my prayer for the past like week or two. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I think you're 100 percent right. Like I feel like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of moments when that heaviness is so heavy that it's very difficult to be excited and hopeful, especially when it comes to like reading the word, right? And feeling like the constant despair turns into chaos, and it's it's hard to get off of that. Um, but what I'm learning too is that we can control our emotions, um, but there are moments where it's very difficult to control them when they're out of control. And so having these moments where you can release them to God, I think is the most important thing, right? Uh, because that's, that's what I've seen in my life. Like I've, I've, I've struggled to, to be excited, to, to, be hopeful for that next season or for, for the, for the day, actually, let's just be real for mm-hmm. the day. Um, and it's just so heavy that I can't, I can't even get out of my funk and I'm like, you know, uh, reaching out to friends and you and I have had many conversations, right. Mm-hmm. In these moments. And, um, and I'm beginning to see the theme kind of play out in clinging on to him and what that looks like and not being afraid to just voice my concern to him and get it out. Because if I don't, I start to resent, I start to get bitter and angry. And then that, then that leads my behaviors and actions. Um, and I, for some reason I felt like it was just a really beautiful thing that happened over the past couple of days of me kind of feeling like I fell on my face again, mm-hmm. um, only to be lifting up my eyes and seeing his garment. There was something in our, we had a meeting yesterday and there was something Ross said that was interesting. Um, sometimes we, we talk too much and pray too little. Mm-hmm. Yes. Man, that's effective. And that, that was really convicting and really powerful. Um, first and foremost, I think we need to, when we're struggling through issues, I absolutely agree we have to take that to God. We do. We have to pray. God also calls us into community. And I think he brings people and friends into our lives. Um, because sometimes we need to talk those things through with other people. I think it's not an either or. I think it, it can be a both and. I, seem, I think sometimes a lot of times we carry things on our own. Um, because we don't trust we're not close enough to anybody in our lives to share them. Um, but I think it's both. First, we need to share it with God and be talking with him about those things. But I don't think God calls us all to go live isolated lives in the desert alone. Right. So he calls us into community. So I think there's also an element where I believe he wants us to have people in our lives that we can talk with. And I think sometimes when we carry these things by ourselves, what happens is what I think you were, you were describing is somehow they start to consume us or they start to grow and mutate or they start to affect or uh, alter the shape of our heart or mind because we're just, we've got this thing in, in our heart that we're not talking with anybody else about. Nobody else can, can put us in check. We don't, we don't say, you know, we, we never say that thing that we're thinking. So in our mind, it's like, it makes sense. Whereas if you were to say it 
with somebody you're walking with, they're like, hey, yo, yo, bro, hold on. What did you just say? No, that's, no, I love you. And I, I got to tell you, you're seeing that wrong. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a both and. Yeah. Absolutely. We need to pray more than we talk. Mm-hmm. And also we need to be, have people in our lives that we can share with, that we can um, allow to walk with us, that we can let in. Yeah. Um, people that we trust, people that are spiritually mature, people that love and are trying to follow Jesus the way that we are. Because if, if we just keep holding that and we try to be our own counsel, God help you if you, try, if you try to be your own counsel. I mean, hey, you're always available. You're always there. And you're probably always going to agree with yourself. Yep. And that just, I don't think we were designed to be our own counsel. No. You know, we need to find good counsel. Well, that even, that, that makes me think about what's the result of, of being isolated, letting yourself fill yourself with inconsistent, wrong thoughts. And I think the number one thing that comes from it is shame, especially as a Christian too, because there's, and this is the way that I've thought over the years and it's like God's showing me slowly um, how wrong I was in this, which is as a Christian, we sometimes believe that if we, if we give into the thought or if we're that honest with God, then we don't have faith. Or at least I have felt like that. I've heard it said that you can't have faith without doubt. Mm, that's good. Interesting. Never heard that before. That's good. Without doubt, there's no faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are we doing with that doubt? Are we allowing that doubt to create a barrier between us and God? Are we allowing that doubt to be um, something that pushes us away from him? Or are we allowing that doubt to be something that draws us near to him? Are we allowing it to be just another thing that we say, God, here's another thing I'm bringing to you because I don't know. But I know you're faithful. I know you love me. And this thing, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand. I don't, I don't, I can't figure this out, but I trust you. Yeah. And I think doubt can, can be a very, polarizing thing I think it does just that it either it can draw us to him or it pushes us away yeah I had a had a very small conversation with a friend this morning who texted me um, after I got home from the gym and um, they were basically they were like hey how are you doing they're catching up I hadn't talked to this person in a while and I asked them like how they were doing going back and forth on the pleasantries. Right. But they ended up confessing like, Hey, I'm struggling right now. And this is the first time this person's ever done this. Um, and automatically I asked, how can I pray for you? And they wrote down a laundry list of just the struggles in the moment. And after going through what I went through this morning and Briley saying what she said, I felt like it was a perfect moment to speak into this person's life and like encourage them and, um, and help build them up in Jesus. And, uh, and in their, in their, in their request of prayer was like, Hey, I'm, I'm dealing with things of the past And it's making me doubt God for my future. And it feels like a very common conversation that I'm having with myself. I've been a believer since I was 13 years old, 37 now. Mm -hmm. And those years you would think there's wisdom there, but no. Um, and And we've talked about this. Knowledge is not enough. Yeah. Knowledge isn't enough. Even wisdom isn't enough. Passion isn't enough. Our works aren't enough. It, it, it all has to, to, 
to be built on a relationship with him. That relationship with him is absolutely essential. And I think often we need to evaluate and, and examine. It's like, where is my relationship with him? I was talking to somebody earlier this week and they were having an issue with a friend and they were very, there was like a real emotionally, emotionally charged situation. And my first question to this person was, how's your relationship with God? How's your devotion time? Their response, not good. All right. This is good. Yeah. We identified something that we can do. That's empowering. I don't say good because you're not doing it. I'm saying good because you identified something that you can act on right now. Yeah. And in our relationship with God, it's like, <laughs> there was this, I don't know if it was a joke, but it was kind of this thing that we'd talk about when um, we would be interviewing people at work or we'd be looking over resumes and you see this individual, it's like, man, 20 years experience. That looks great. Okay, but it, does he have 20 years experience or did he do one year, the first year 20 times? Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. It's like, <laughs> and what if we use that lens, that same criteria to evaluate our relationship with God? Mm. I've been walking with the Lord 20, 30 years. Is your relationship any deeper now than it was that first year? And I think that's something we need to ask ourselves. Do I... Do I feel closer? Do I feel like it's a deeper relationship, you know, after 30 years? Or does this still feel like I've been, I've had this super, because we have friends. I think we all have friends where there's some friends that we have and there's kind of like this, I don't know, there's some friends that I think can be surface level. They're like acquaintances. And then there's some friends that you have that it's like, these friends are just, you have deep relationships with them. And some, I mean, some of those relationships, yeah, I've known this guy for 15 years, but it's not very deep. And then there can be other, other people where I've known this guy for two. And you know what? To the ends of the earth, man. Yeah. Gates of hell. Like, <laughs> it's, so in our relationship with God, where are we? What kind of relationship? Do we have with him? Do we have a surface level relationship? Um, or is there this depth that's been established over year after year after year after year of bringing our doubts to him and seeing his faithfulness come through? Um, and I think it's important for me to ask myself and to assess and evaluate, like, all right, what is my relationship with my Savior like right now? Yeah. With my Lord and Savior? You've asked, you asked me at the beginning of, well, not even last year, like maybe like two years ago. Mm. I feel like that's been how long yeah. my ex and I were going through this stuff. I think that was the first question you asked me. How's your relationship with Jesus? Mm. And uh, trying to remember how I answered that. Yeah, I don't know. But I, it, it, it started, it was like a flint that started a fire that's now kind of growing. Because I think about, I don't know what scripture it is. Um, I'm going to butcher even how it's even said. I think, well, that, that, let me, I guess I'll allude to what I'm thinking. Like God's a gentleman. And so he's not going to overthrow too much on us that we can't process enough to be able to learn and move on from that stage of thinking or life, whatever it is. So that fire kind of slowly burning is me making those changes for the good. Well, there's that scripture. You said he's not going to throw and he's, he's a gentleman. There's that, I remember that scripture in Revelations 3.20. Revelation 3.20. Um, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He didn't just open the door, doesn't kick the door open, doesn't walk in. He does not. I prayed that this week. Mm. There was another moment where I had, I was 
driving and and uh, questioning my season. And I was thinking, God, if well, and I said it out loud to him. Like, doesn't your word say, knock and you shall receive? Ask and you shall receive. Or, ask and you shall, yes. Mm-hmm. Ask and you shall receive. Um, and he reminded me, yes, but it doesn't mean monetary gain. It doesn't mean, uh, I mean, it can. I mean, he can definitely, if, if it's something that you're looking for in terms of provision where he needs to provide for something, then he can in terms of like providing finances. But a lot of that is the change we need in our life, um, spiritually, emotionally, all of that. So, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, this is all kind of connected. Yeah, here in that scripture, he's just saying, I think it just demonstrates he wants to be near us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to force that. He's not going to be invasive. Yeah. He's not going to, going to um, ignore our free will, our desires. But he's there and he's willing if we are. Um, What's that other scripture? Draw close to me and I will draw draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Mm -hmm. So he's willing, but I don't think he ever, I don't think he ever forces himself upon us. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, just back to that, that example of God speaking through nature. It's right there. Mm-hmm. He's not forcing you to see it. Right. You can choose to see it. Mm-hmm. Choose to acknowledge it. Choose to be blessed by it. But he's not going to force that on you. I think about that song that we've been singing at uh, in service, mm-hmm. Closer. Oh, yeah. Um. Because I started thinking this thought. Worship music isn't meant for just a catchy chorus mm-hmm. um, and to make you feel good. And I've even been questioning my worship. Like, you know, the songs that we sing on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. do I mean it? And that Keep song, that song, yeah. <clears throat> that song, as I, uh, I sat with it the other day and just kind of let it play out. And I let, I let kind of the, the, like Brandon Lake kind of sing it over me on that record. And, um, and I started to realize like my inability to, understand what I was singing in the moment. I think at the end of the day, what I'm doing, what I feel like is happening is, or I feel like what God is doing, let me take that back. What I feel like what God is doing is tearing down my old religion. Now you're bringing up a song. Now that, that reminds me of that bridge to make make room. room. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that bridge. Yeah. Because those declarations, what is it? Uh, tear down the walls of all my tradition. Um, I have it right here, actually. Yeah, do you have it? Yeah. Shake up the ground. Of all my tradition. So break down, mm-hmm. okay, here shake up the ground of all my oh, tradition, tradition, break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Yeah. I love that because it's just, it's literally what I was playing on as I pulled up. There was a quote, and it was something, I remember hearing it a long time ago. And it was something, I remember it, it was meant to be provocative, but I remember it hit me. It's like, the church doesn't, um, the church doesn't preach her lies, she sings them. Say that one more time. The church doesn't preach her lies or teach her lies, she sings them. And I remember thinking about it, it's like, we, we sing things in worship when often we don't believe the things that we're, <laughs> the very things that we're declaring. Yes. We don't believe them. 
And if we're at that point, it's like we need to assess, like, what am I doing? So if, if you don't believe it, like at the core of your being, if you don't believe that, then why are you singing it? Now, I understand if you don't feel it. I get that. Yeah. Because there's times you don't feel something and feelings follow. So you, this is true. Mm-hmm. If you know something to be true, you do it because it's true. Mm-hmm. Not because you feel it or don't feel it. But if you don't believe it, then what are you doing? It's like that needs to get sorted out. You need to sort that out before you're, you're singing those things because you're just, you're just not being honest. Yeah. You're not being honest with yourself. You're definitely not being honest with God. It's like, and again, this goes back to that pray more than you talk. Well, maybe pray more than you sing too. Mm-hmm. Like, are we praying more? Are we spending more time in relationship with him? Working through those things, through those doubts, through those struggles, through those fears, anxieties, and struggles in belief. Are we walking with him and going to him with those things? Or not. And I think we I think we said this before. It's like we feel like maybe that's dishonoring to God, so we don't approach him. So we allow those things to to scare us not scare us away, but I'll put it candidly. We allow those things to be an excuse not to get close to God. Yeah. It's true. Oh God doesn't God I can't I can't take this to God because you it's like no, man, what's going on inside of you is you're not willing to go to him. Yeah. He's right. willing. And there's, there's so much freedom in that honesty with him. Mm-hmm. Just the, and I think about my life, I think about my season, like just experiencing today where like I feel like I've made room for him. Like yesterday, going through that moment of kind of depression and feeling really heavy. And really being honest with him, like really honest with him. To waking up this morning and then getting to the place that I'm at now, I felt like I was holding on to whatever that was, all that doubt. That I didn't make room, I didn't have the capacity to take on what he wanted to give me. There's freedom. Oh my gosh, there's freedom in just letting it go, surrendering that. I saw Stephen Furtick, he posted something today about kind of letting go of things from the past, letting go of trauma, letting go of, and, uh, of, of you know, your past, really. Um, but he talked about honest prayer and how important that is because God can remove all that junk so that you know, he can impart on you whatever he needs to impart in that moment. Then fast forward, Tim Ross starts talking about the same thing. I'm like, God, what are you, man, you're doing something today, dude. I'm listening. I'm like being intentional about wanting to hear from you. When the Holy Spirit's creating your playlist. Yes. Gosh, dude. (laughs) On all platforms. Yeah. (laughs) You just start speaking. Or we just start listening. But I feel like a lot of people are going through this. I feel like I, I continue to run into more and more people that are dealing with the doubt in their lives and it's keeping them from that freedom. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was li- I've lived it. Like I, I know, I know what it is to have that emotional blocker and the enemy lying to you and keeping you from chasing after him. I've been seeing it more and more and more in people that I meet. It's like random people. um, And just hearing the despair and and the doubt in their voice. Uh, And I think they need to hear this. Hmm. I need to hear this. As I was texting my friend back today, 
and telling them and encouraging them. I literally wrote in the text, I'm preaching to myself right now. <laughs> I need to hear that. See, now we're saying that, that God, he's not disturbed or he's not, he can handle any of our doubt and anything we bring to him because he loves us through it and he knows he's sovereign. He's perfect. He's all loving and just and kind and righteous. He's all those things. So no matter what comes to him, um, he's unfazed. God is never surprised. Um, and he accepts us. He accepts us when we come to him. How do we bear that image with others? Thought that same thing. Because when somebody else comes to us with their mess, mm-hmm. their brokenness, their anger, their anxiety, their frustration, their fears, their doubts. How do we treat them? Do we receive them? Mm-hmm. Do we accept them? I'm not saying do we accept um, lies or, or bad, sinful stuff. I'm not saying do we accept that. Do we accept the person? Yeah. And if I'm honest, sometimes we don't accept that. Mm-hmm. Somebody comes to me with that kind of mess and all that brokenness and all that, you know, just my life at times, it's like when I come to somebody and my life is a dumpster fire and then they kind of like, whoa, back up. Somebody comes to me and their life is like a crime scene and they're just, they're coming and, and you kind of put your hand out. You're like, you know, emotionally, psychologically, you're like, I'm keeping them at a distance. Yeah. We do that, right? Yep. We're good at it. Well, because we do that, I think that's why we expect God to do that with us. Mm-hmm. We project that behavior onto him. Yeah, It's like, well, here's what I would do. And I understand why. I have my reasons for why I would do this. So that's probably what God does with me. We don't say it, but some part of us feels like, oh, yeah. well, if I take that to him, he's going to keep me at arm's length too because mm-hmm. he doesn't want my mess. But he's not us. We're not him. Mm-hmm. And that's just so hard for us to get our head around sometimes. Or most of the time. Yeah. I was uh I was thinking about that with my kids. Like there's there's been moments where you've been around them. They could be a lot. They could be a lot. And uh but there's moments where like I am so at capacity of dealing with them and they're coming to me and it's just the constant like chaos. And one of the things that I've been learning is I've had to I've had to stop myself and ask myself in those moments, why am I getting mad at them when all they're trying to do is cling to me as their father and feel that comfort, love, grace, mercy, all of those things. My first reaction is to get angry with them and be pissed off with them. And I have been learning to step back and say, why do I feel mad at them for, like yesterday, I'll give you an example. We were in the car. I don't like them yelling in the car. We always have conversations about this. And they get so pent up and excited because we're just driving. Um, And they're having fun in the back. And there have been moments where I've choked out that fire. Like I'm like, shut up because I can't take you yelling in the car right now. And yesterday I, there was a moment where the kids were like, I just picked them up from school and there's, there's like studies behind like kids whenever they get around their parents after school, they kind of release all those emotions. It's a lot. And uh, they started screaming. They started, you know, bugging each other, but they're laughing. And internally my, my rage just going up, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it kept continue, continue. So what I ended up doing was I turned on the radio because I had the radio on and they're screaming. So I had two two sources of audio like at 90 decibels and above. So lowered that bad boy. And then I just started asking myself, why am I getting upset with them being playing around in the back? And I let them scream. 
I let them scream in the back. And we got home and I was a lot calmer. Um, a little more loving and relaxed in my approach. Um, now don't get me wrong. I feel like about an hour later as I was trying to get them out so we can go to baseball games. But, um, but yeah, like I think, I think God's even teaching me that with them right now, like through this whole thing on checking myself in those moments on those emotions, on the lies, the, uh, those expectations that I set that are so high. Mm-hmm. I think we, and you know, kind of going back to what you're saying, I think I definitely approach God in that way. I'm like, I think that his expectations are so high that I, I know for a fact, Oh, I won't be able to meet that. So I might as well give up. I can't be good enough to approach him. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even going to try. Yeah. Not all the time, but I've had moments like that. I think we all have. Yeah, I have. You think, man, I can't, I can't, I can't meet that standard. Mm-hmm. It's too much work. I can't get there. Even if I did all the work, I still can't get there. Yeah. And God's like, Jesus already did this for you. Mm-hmm. You're, why are you even, thinking about that. Yeah. Now granted, I do think we we need to have a God is holy. Mm-hmm. So it's this, I don't know if I'm honest, it's kind of this not a struggle, but this this weird situation of being open and honest with him, mm-hmm. but also knowing this is the God of the universe. Right. Well, see that, that right there. That's why, that's why I was, that's why I felt like I can never be that honest with my thoughts with him because I'm like, well, he's, he's God. <laughs> and there's a respect and a fear. Well, think of how you approach, I mean, to put a, a, a very human face on it. Think of any situation when you've been in a room with a high level leader in any capacity. Mm -hmm. When you're in a room with a high level religious leader, when you're in a room with a high level professional leader, when you're in a room with a high level political leader, Mm -hmm. you think before you speak. Oh yeah. That's a great way of putting it. You think before you say something. But if you feel passionate and you feel it's something they need to hear, you're going to say it. But you don't just blurt it out. Yeah. You're thoughtful and you're respectful mm-hmm. and you try to be clear. Do we approach God like that with the same respect and honor? And if we don't, then why are we showing man more respect than we're showing God? Dude. Whoa. And I'm not saying we don't take the things to him. Right but he is good, but he is holy. Yeah. So are we, are we approaching him with that, that sense of respect and reverence and awe? Yeah. And, and it's, it can be kind of a difficult thing to navigate because it's both. Mm-hmm. He wants us to share our heart with him, but God isn't our buddy. Right. Mm. He's not. He wants to be put in his, in his rightful place. <laughs> He's, yeah. He is yeah. who he is and, and we are who we are and we need to remember that. We need to be aware of that. And I think that's the thing that's hard for us to, to do at the same time because we'll, we'll do, um, we're like, yes, he's holy, he's God, so I'm never going to approach him. Or we approach him um, so casually that we're no longer honoring and respecting him the way that we should. We're not approaching him with fear and trembling. Yeah. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. It's like, that, that can be tough. It can be. I think this is, I think what, what we're talking about right now is, a, is creating the healthy boundary of being honest with God and going to him with everything, but also doing it in a way that is respecting his authority as God in our lives. 
and of the universe. Cause I think that's one of the, I think what I was alluding to earlier, I think that was one of my questions was actually, I didn't say this out loud. I was thinking it. Where's that fine line? I do that too, where I think something and later in the conversation, I think I said it, but I never said it, but I refer to it in the conversation like I did say it. Yeah. And the person's looking at me like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I said, and then it occurs to me, oh, I never, it never got out of my head. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what's that fine line of disrespect and honor? Because what I thought about too, actually, I literally thought about this as I was getting out of the car because I was kind of thinking through talking about this today. Is where's the line of blasphemy? And just being honest. I think that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And we feel that conviction. Yeah. And that's another, I think that's another area in our lives where we need to be actively listening. Am I actively listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Dude. Or have I gotten so numb and callous to the conviction that I no longer feel it? Let that one settle for a minute. That's so true. It's not that he's not convicting. Yeah. I just, I learned to make it white noise. That's a truth bomb right there. Well, that goes back to why I say, help me to hear. Because I want to hear that. Because yeah. if I don't, then I, not only am I not hearing your voice in how you're leading me, but I'm not hearing your voice in how you're correcting me and convicting me of the things that I'm not supposed to be doing. Because like hearing your voice isn't just, oh Lord, guide me in what I'm supposed to do. Hearing your voice is also, where am I acting the fool and doing a bunch of stuff I'm not supposed to be doing? Yeah. I was it's, just about to ask you that. It's the correction. It's not just the leading and inspiration. Yes. <laughs> it's also the correction. And I think if we're not careful, we can say, God, I want to hear your voice because we want to hear all the all the hopeful, great stuff in the future. Like, Lord, give us the vision and everything. Yeah. Help me to hear your voice so I'll know where to run and I'll know where to go and all the great things you have for me. And God's like, hold up. I'm speaking, but I'm also speaking for this mess you got to clean up, this stuff you're doing in your life. It's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. But I want to hear this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. It's like when you ask God to speak or not speak, when you ask to hear, it's like you need to be ready to, we need to be ready to hear both. Hey, how are you treating your kids? How are you treating your wife? How are you treating your friends, your family? How are you treating your coworkers? How are you treating yourself? How are you treating your, your leaders? How are you treating those around you? Um, are you seeking me in all the things you do? Have you surrendered every part of your heart to me? Yeah. Like your physical, the, the physical part of your life, the emotional part, the psychological, the spiritual. Have you surrendered all your relationships? Like if all those things, like those are all him speaking too. Mm. But again, it's like we, we pick and choose. It's like, I want to deal with this right now. Yeah. I wonder how many people think when God speaks, it's always for them to go do something for others. And then they don't see the mess that they have in their life. <laughs> I think, and I think about, you know, just, just church friends that I have. Show me, Lord, what I can go fix in those people's yeah. problems. Yeah. Help me to go fix those broken people. Show me. And then he holds up a mirror. <laughs> Lord, I, I, I can feel that there's a, a person down this road <laughs> where you made me pull $200 out of my bank account so I could, like, that's that. That's, I, we hear that all the time. Like, we hear that in, 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 in um, sermons and you know, serving people. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying not to serve people, but I think a lot of times, a lot of us believe when God speaks, it's for helping others for the other person that's and it's a lot of times we talked about this last week we did you have this i've had these moments where it feels like man god's speaking god's speaking through nature god's speaking through his word god's speaking through this book i read he's speaking through this song i heard he's speaking through this movie he's speaking through paula speaking through darren he's speaking through and i'm like i'm just hearing stuff 
And my first inclination is like, I'm going to go tell everybody what God's saying. And he's like, no, this is for you. This letter had your address on it. There's no forwarding address. This, this is for you. You need to, you take it, you sit with it, you let it do its work in you. And we're so anxious to like forward this letter on to somebody. It's like, oh, that's awesome. Forward it on and don't do any of the work that comes with that message. Yeah. Well, it's funny this morning when I had that revelation with, when Barley spoke about the little, the tiny hole. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I got to text everybody this. This is so great. And I felt God tell me. you need to hear this, bro, because you're not listening to me. Mm. And uh, and I had to sit with it for, for a little bit. There's kind of this harsh saying in performance, I don't know if it's in, in sports or the arts or in different disciplines, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but it, it, there's an interesting variation that I just thought of right now. Um, those who can't do teach. I've heard that before. Mm, I've heard that. And I don't know that I agree with it, but it's it's common. It's I've heard it. As it applies in this situation, I think the way I would say it in this situation is those who are unwilling to do, teach. So he gives it to you. You're like, eh, let me go teach. I understand it. I got it up here. I got the head knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Let me go have somebody. This is good. This is really good. Yep. Uh, let me go show them how to do it. I didn't actually do it yet, though. I had all kinds of visuals in my head as you were saying that. I never forget. I was really young. I, I don't know, was I, like my early twenties. And this is just this is just full disclosure, man. There's like full vulnerability here, just being a stupid young twenty year old. I had heard about a book that was really good, and I can't even remember what the subject was. But I started hearing things about it. I heard, read reviews about it. And I thought, cool, and I'm going to read this book. And I put it on my list of things. And I think I even bought it, but I hadn't read it. Um, but I heard a lot of good discussion about it. And then I remember I got so excited that I told my dad about it. I'm like, Dad, you got to get this book. <laughs> and you know where this is going, right? Yeah, I'm like, Dad, oh, God, Dad, this book is so good. And first words out of his mouth. So did you read it? <laughs> It's like, uh, <laughs> there goes that balloon. <laughs> I was just, and ever since that moment, I've never recommended a book that I haven't read. Yeah. Never. If I did that, I would feel like a fool. You know, I actually, thinking about that, same theme. As a kid, a uh, very popular book, um, it's like on finances. It's like a young man. Every like young man should read it. Richest man in Babylon. No. Uh, now I'm curious. I'm going to have to ask my buddy real quick. Hold on. Let me text him real quick. Rich dad, poor dad. George Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki. That was like a very popular book when I was 16, 17. Going right. into my... Like my I remember when that came out, yeah. And all my buddies were like, oh, you have to read this book. So I got the book. Actually, my buddy gave it to me to read. I read like the first chapter. I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Never read it after that. And for years, I would recommend that book to people. (laughs) For years, I would recommend that book to people. And uh, I think at one point, I had a family member ask me, what's the book about? And I was like, oh. um, <laughs> so what had happened was it's about a man. So there's this dad and he's real rich. Yeah. And there's another dad who's real poor. Uh, and they fight and they the Coliseum. They fight, <laughs> they fight to the death. The rich man dies. No, I don't. Yeah, and and I just thought about that as as you said that because I've I've had moments like that where where people have called me out like that. <laughs> like one one book that um, is really great. I've read it, but I don't remember it, so it must not have had that deep of impact. 
Everybody talks about it in business, which is don't touch my cheese. Who moved my cheese? There you go. See? Mm-hmm. Very tiny book. Yeah, that is. Uh, in fact, I just read a book by the same author. Uh-huh. That is crazy that you bring that up. Because I didn't realize this author wrote that book too. Oh. Um, I just read a book by that author. I'll tell you his name. The, and I was going to bring this book up. There's a book called Peaks and Valleys. And oh, oh my gosh. about it before. Peaks and Valleys. Well, he's the same author that wrote Who oh. Won My Cheese. Uh, and his name is, I won't say his name. And I don't even know where I heard. It's uh, Spencer Johnson. I had to read it for, I did a Dale Carnegie uh, training program mm-hmm. years ago. And they made us read it during that, that week. Because it was a short book, right? Mm-hmm. So like uh, two or three chapters mm-hmm. at max. And so um, and it was a sales-focused training program. So I read it and I completely, I mean, it was, this was like 10, 10 15 years ago when I read it. Um, Everybody, whenever they bring up that book, I'm like, I think I think I remember it was a good book. I think so. But then again, I butchered the name, so it shows you how much I remember of it. Peaks and Valleys I read two weeks ago. Okay. And I can't remember who, who recommended it. But it was very short, and it was like a parable format. And it had a lot to do with perspectives about where you are in your situation and one of the takeaways from that book for me is a peak can come, become a valley and a valley can become a peak very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was one thing I read in there and in the parable, one of the characters says, um, fear can turn any one of my peaks into a valley. Fear is my valley. So no matter where I am or how great the situation is, Fear can make that situation a valley. Mm. I thought that is... That's pretty profound. That's that, true. That just, it resonated. It hit and hit me in a really powerful way. I thought, man. You know a book I've been seeing coming up a lot lately? <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I've just been seeing it like on, like a lot of entrepreneurs and really bit like successful businessmen have been talking about is in a book that you recommended hmm. a year ago as a man thinketh. Oh, I, I came across that book about two years ago and up until I think for like six months, I read it every day, like Whoa. the whole thing. Cause it's a short book. It's not, you can read it in about 40 minutes, oh. 30, 45 minutes. Okay. And I was reading it like every single day. That good. It's, it's just so, it's so applicable. I mean, it was simple. I remember that's where we've talked about. Um, he talks about how a mind, uh, a person's mind can be likened to a garden. And when you start the day, you know, you tend to your garden. What are you doing if you don't do anything in this garden? Well, you don't know what's going to come up. Good, good things may come up. Good fruits and flowers may come up. Weeds may come up. If you didn't do anything, actively do anything, to the soil of that garden at the beginning of the day, then it's a crapshoot. Some days may be great. You have good thoughts, good ideas, good desires, good emotions come up, or you may have horrible things come up. But if at the beginning of every day, you tend to the soil of the garden of your mind and you plant seeds and planting seeds is spending time in his word, planting seeds is spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, doing these kinds of things, um, then there's a, a much greater chance that good things are going to spring up throughout the day. If you're, if you're pouring and cultivating good things into the soil of your mind and doing it at the beginning of the day is so critical because that's what happens. And I remember reading that what happens is if you get up, if, if you don't craft the lens through which you're going to look at your day, mm. that lens will get created for you by circumstance. Because this thing comes up, you have to do, this thing comes up, you have to do, you have to do this, take care of this. All of a sudden you're, you're reacting and the day and the circumstance has created this perspective through which you're looking, you know, at the day. Yeah. So 
doing the first thing you do at the day, it's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take control here and be intentional about how I'm going to look at this day. I'm going to look at this day through the lens of my relationship with God, mm-hmm. through the lens of the word, through the lens of being still and spending time with him. That is going to be my reference point for the rest of the day. When we just get up and go, go on about our business and we immediately start reacting to this and that and the other, then that starts creating, that starts shaping um, our perspective on the day. Yeah. It really does matter what real estate is taking up in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's what I'm learning. I think this is that this, what the season is currently, mm-hmm. at least for the past couple of days has been, is what real estate am I making priority? And I think one of the things that you just mentioned and through the book is planting those seeds doesn't give you a lot of real estate to give up. And it's, I think it's, uh, it's just really important for people to understand that for me to understand that because it is, I'm really quick to like two things. Either I will get up and listen to the glorify app because it, you know, it's a five minute thing every morning and it kind of gets me in the mindset of thinking about him first or I can roll out of bed and just get the kids ready for school and just kind of go hustle and bustle. And then you, typically what happens is I will do all that and then I'll be like, Oh shoot. I haven't sat down with God or I haven't, I haven't read my Bible or I haven't done anything. And then I'll <sighs> irritably open up scripture. I'm like, well then it's, it's even tough then because you've already got some threads going. Oh Yeah. There's already some stuff going and you realize I'm going to do this and you're doing this, but you've already got these things that have been started. Yeah. These thoughts that are already, they're already occupying space in that garden Yeah. where it's like the prime spots in the garden. It's like, mm-hmm. let's give them to God. What, what we talked about um, that we heard from our friend Steve in, um, in our men's group is like the concept of tithing, your day, the time of your day, mm-hmm. giving God the first fruits of your day. Yeah. That aligns with this same principle. Are we giving him the first and the best? And that's for our good, not for him. What right. does he get out of that? Right. <laughs> we benefit. We do. Yeah, this has been a fun conversation. I'd recommend get that book. Action item this week, just... As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. It was written like in 1902, 1906 or something. It's, you can read it in one sitting, 30, 45 minutes. I think I have that on my Audible list right now that I haven't started. I've got like five books that I haven't started yet. Something simple. Get it on Audible. Go for a morning walk and listen to it. On your walk. Yeah, I'll download it. I've got, like, I've got to finish... I have like four or five books I need to finish. The life you've always wanted. The <laughs> life you always wanted. Well, you know what? It's so interesting because I I was listening to that this week, mm-hmm. and I'm on chapter six, and it was about chapter chapter six and seven are about prayer, and that's what prompted me to start. <clears throat> I what I, what I started doing is I I got a note in my phone, and this kind of goes to what we're talking about. He mentions in the book where what's taking up real estate in your mind is the most important things that you need to be taking to God. And so what I've started to do is I've created this note and the things that are bugging me, I'm writing them down. And what he, what he encourages is taking five minutes, setting a five minute timer. And he, you know, he talks about just do it once. And then as you start to do that and it becomes a habit, then add more throughout the day. And, um, and so what I've started to do is I'll set a five-minute timer. And he, he talks about this. John Northberg is, don't go over the five minutes. Just get through the five minutes and then, then schedule something else later. And so it gets you in the habit of, all right, I'm going to take this time to really intentionally be with God in this moment and offer up all these things that I'm struggling with and surrender it. And so that's what I started doing in and I, and I haven't learned something like this in terms of prayer. And it's, it's really life-changing to do something that simple where it's a five-minute, and it kind of feels awkward. And he talks about that in the book where 
He's like, it's not going to feel natural, especially when you're having to cut prayer down to five minutes because you're just going to want to keep going and going and going. Because when you're in the and you're in the zone, you're like, all right, I'm releasing these things and I'm getting all these things out. But he was like, it, God just wants you to just focus on that, be done, move on. And so uh, I've seen a change. Like when I do that, and it's kind of what happened yesterday where I just offered up these things to him. And that's what I, I wrote them all down. And I started just praying those things out. And what I've learned, this is the biggest takeaway that I've learned. It's not even the result isn't the habit that I'm building in terms of prayer. The result is the healing that I'm getting from releasing and surrendering it to him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I hadn't thought about this ever. Like I always thought like, okay, just, I pray throughout the day. Um, but it's just like when I'm feeling a certain way and I'm like, okay, let me, let me take a moment to just, God, take this feeling away. Rather than being like, okay, I'm Lord, I'm upset because of X, Y, Z. And I don't know why I'm mad at this. And then asking for him to do his work in you. So that starts sounding like a psalm. I feel like David, man, all the time. <laughs> I do. That's awesome. All right, so two action items. As a man thinketh, pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, three. <laughs> Don't recommend a book if you ever read it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is the negative action. That is a do not do this. Uh, Stop recommending books that you haven't read. And three, um, write down what's bugging you, what's taking up real estate in your mind. And put a timer for five minutes and talk to God about it. And be honest with him. Even if it feels uncomfortable. So stop recommending books you haven't read. Read as a man thinketh and write those things down, those struggles, those frustrations. Write them down and pray for five minutes. Set aside five minutes of dedicated time to pray about those things with him. Yes. That's some good homework. It is. For me? For me too. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm already like, all right, I guess I'm going to do this tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> like when I get in the car, I got to do, I got to go practice after this and teach six-year-olds how to play baseball, but love it. Looking forward to to next week. We'll end it here. Later. Later.